When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Saul Bookman, Gerald Borgay, and a special guest. We've got Brendan Clean joining us. Now you may already know him from his work covering the Suns. If you're not familiar, you can read his work at Global Sports Matter, Dime Magazine, and Suns.com. You can also hear his work at the Locked on Suns podcast. Thank you for joining us, Brendan. How are you doing today? I am great. I think the thing to say is long time, first time or something like that. Big fan of you guys. <laughs> excited to join. Excited to talk Mercury. We're not too far away from another season. It should be fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. As you mentioned today, we are talking all things Phoenix Mercury. We've uh, slacked off a little bit on our Mercury Mondays, but they have made quite a few moves recently. And of course, just like the Phoenix Suns, last year the season did not end in the way we wanted for them. But unlike the Suns, the Mercury made some massive changes to their team. So we'll kind of just go down the line here of all the things that they've switched up about their organization and their team, starting with their head coach. So the Mercury and Sandy Brondello parted ways, and the team brought in Vanessa Nygaard. So she's a Scottsdale native, Stanford grad, former WNBA player. She does have coaching experience at pretty much every level of the game, but I would say majority of her head coaching experience comes from the high school level. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this move by the Phoenix Mercury? It's a little head-scratching to me. From 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 my perspective, just because, uh, again, like what 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 experience at the WNBA level does she have outside of you know being involved it, it, coaching wise, I should say, and and that's it, when you see the the potential suitors out there that could have been in the fold, um, you know Becky Hammond being one of them. Obviously, the Mercury probably didn't want to pay Becky Hammond what she ended up getting in Vegas. I, it's just. It, there's a lot of questions. I think there's more questions with how she's going to be as a coach than there are any anywhere else within the organization, whether it be a, a player or front office or anything like that. I think that's the biggest question of the season is what is she going to bring to the table that's different from what Sandy brought? Um, and can she elevate this team back to the to the level that they're used to? Yeah, that's what makes it so hard to know is – what do you even base your judgment on? Unless, I don't know, Gerald, Saul, Lindsay, if you guys have scouted California high school basketball lately, but <laughs> I have not. So 
it's just kind of tough to to know what to expect at all. Like, what is the style of this team going to be? What What's going to be different? Like you said, um, she has had a lot of experience at all levels. Like Lindsay said, she was an assistant for the San Antonio uh, Silver Stars a long time ago, almost two decades ago. For one season, she was an assistant for the Las Vegas Aces for one season last year. But her main like championship winning pedigree has been with the under like the youth teams for our national women's team and for the uh, Windward High School girls basketball team in California, where she really did turn them into a juggernaut. But that's not typically the portfolio resume you expect for a professional coach. So, yeah, the, the fact that she spent such a short amount of time at each place outside of the high school and the fact that she just hasn't had to really prove it at that top level is yeah, it's going to be confusing. It's going to be interesting because you're you're coming into a team with a ton of superstars and you got to mold them into something new pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it is an interesting dynamic there because she does have plenty of coaching experience at, at various levels of women's basketball. It's just I'm curious how that transition is going to go from, you know, from these various different levels to the W and to having – you know, not just Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner, but now this fully fledged star studded roster. Um, that's quite a task for a first time uh, coach in the W because um, we really don't have much to base our opinions off of her. I think she, you know, she's listening to her press conference. I was there when she was introduced and Brendan was as well, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she sounds, she comes off as very intelligent. She knows what she's talking about. She's well aware of the task ahead of her. Um, as far as, you know, she even dropped that line that her son told her she called her the shepherd because she has to take care of the goat now. Um, so she's aware of the task ahead of her. I, I just, like Brendan said, I have no idea what to expect from her as a head coach or, or what style of, of basketball this team will play. Well, yeah, I think Saul hit the nail on the head when he said the biggest question is going to be, why move on from Sandy Brondello, right? That's the big thing. It's, it kind of felt like change for the sake of change. So that's that's my big question. Yeah, right. do any of you guys have any insight on like why that decision was made by the Phoenix Mercury? Because I always thought Sandy Brondello was a great coach. She was obviously very loved by her players. I do, actually. I talked to someone who works, uh, who worked with the Mercury, and I was kind of expressing my surprise as well that they had let her go. Um, and he had said, you know, he, it hurt to see her go, but he wasn't completely surprised by it either because he pointed out like last year, they weren't doing so hot until about the midway point of the season. And then they put together this incredible run and went to the finals. And obviously that should probably change the, you know, equation a little bit, but it, it sounded like they were kind of ready for a new voice. And I, I think that's kind of the message that they sent out in that press release. Um, but it, I, I was still kind of taken aback by it, but I think they were just ready for someone new. And sometimes that's, and sometimes that's what you need. You know, you just, you just need to hear something different. Um, you know, it, it's hard when you have my, my, the thing that I'm a little more concerned about is just that you have some veterans on this team that have seen it, done it, been there, you know, obviously DT being the one um, and can, can this new head coach come in there and, and and hold up and hold up to to that superstar level of of not only play but you know coaching at that level uh, that that is going to meet that that performance and that that's a that's a tall task for any coach 
um, even a, an experienced coach, let alone a, a coach that has never been a head coach in the WNBA. And, um, you know, one thing that she is good at uh, that, I, that we already know that she's good at is uh, clearly she's a good interviewer. So hopefully um, that will portray to the rest of this team <laughs> and she'll be able to really, uh, you know, emphasize her points uh, the same way she emphasized her points to get this job in the first place. Well, and I do think one of the things, if you're going to maybe pick nits with Brondello, she's a great X's and O's coach. She obviously had relationships with these stars. I mean, she was here almost a decade, so you can't really say, you know, she was distant from anybody or anything like that. But I don't know if you guys remember the whole controversy after the finals when the team didn't speak to the media um, Mm -hmm. and they waited until their exit interviews. And it was, you know, I think they got fined by the league. It's a break of the collective bargaining agreement. If you remember, and I don't know if she was completely being truthful, but she took the position, Sandy did, that she didn't realize that it had even happened. She didn't realize that the players had done that, that they had avoided their post-game press conference. Like that, that just stands out to me as some sort of disconnect between the player and the coach. Even if she did know and she was lying, it's still a weird thing to say. Or if she was trying to kind of cover for them, it's like, it came across as like, well, do you have control of the situation a little bit? And again, it is picking nits, but the fact that it happened right as the season was ending, I'm sure that might have left a sour taste in, in some people's mouths. And, um, you know, losing doesn't help either, of course. So, yeah, maybe it was just time, but she was one of the most successful coaches in WNBA history. So Nygaard has pretty big shoes to fill. Yep. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Vanessa Nygaard really approaches this new job. To be fair, she has all the talent that she could hope for with this group here. So this the Phoenix Mercury also made some pretty big moves with their roster, bringing in heavy hitters Tina Charles and Diamond Shields. Let's start with center Tina Charles. So she was the W's leading scorer a season ago, the 2021 WNBA MVP, and of course the number one overall pick in 2010. How big of an impact do you think she's going to be able to have here with the Mercury? I mean, if you could go out and get anybody, you might as well go out and get the leading scorer in in the W. I mean, a tremendous acquisition. Like she's, you know, this will be her 12th year in the, in the league. She's uh, uh, one of the most consistent scorers in the league in league history. She's just, she's going to be such a great compliment to what teams tried to do to Brittany Griner down low and just double team all the freaking time and basically force everybody else to win the game. Um, you, you're not going to be able to do that at all this year. There, there's going to be a high low with her and Brittany and vice versa. That is just going to be unstoppable. It's, it's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm, I'm curious. I wanted to ask your opinion on this, Brendan, because obviously you get someone who averaged 23 points a game with W last year and was almost a walking double-double. She also averaged just under 10 rebounds a game. That's a good get. But how do you see that kind of dynamic working out between her and Brittany Griner being that they're both, you know, centers? Yeah, an interesting point on this that I didn't consider until I kind of started to read through some of the coverage of her press conference and just when the signing was actually official and people started to really look closer at it. They've started together as the Team USA front court for almost every international competition outside of these past Olympics in in uh, Tokyo last year when Asia Wilson took that starting power forward spot. And, you know, she's younger. She's kind of the, the next one up. She's the reigning MVP coming into those Olympics. So that all made sense. But um, 
Charles and, and Bernie Griner played together for a long time for Team USA. And obviously the, the situation is different. They have plenty of different talent around them to mix and match in a way that this Mercury team, we can kind of debate whether they have the pieces that fit quite as well. But that that made me more optimistic. I think offensively it should fit um, because we can talk about the Brianna Turner part of this, who's a reigning two-time all-defensive first-team player. But from an offensive standpoint, I think Charles would be an even better fit than Turner was. And this is a team that was already, I believe, third in offense in the WNBA last season. Uh, yeah, third. So if you're adding a, another great offensive player who can pass, who can shoot, who can score in the post, score in isolation, attack mismatches, like I don't really worry about it from that standpoint. I worry more about the defense and what you're losing when you lose Turner from that starting lineup and maybe the closing lineup because the Mercury, they were third on offense. They were seventh. On defense, so they were a bottom half team in the WNBA in defense. They did make the finals, but it, it was kind of hard for them to guard people, and and that flared its head in in the finals. Yeah, I, I was interested in that because it felt like in that final series, just kind of. I mean, obviously they really missed Kia Nurse in that series, but not having a little bit more wing depth, not having the quickness to stick with people on the perimeter, and obviously, you know, we love DT, but as at her age, she's not. Uh, not the most spry defender anymore either. It felt like the Mercury really took advantage of that with some of their quicker guards and wings. Do you see that being a potential issue for this team or, or is it just as simple as, you know, dominating teams on offense to make up for it? I think they're going to be hoping it's a matter of outscoring people. I mean, I don't think that they assembled this team in a way that necessarily I, I don't think they would feel like their defense got monumentally better. I mean, it's probably going to be uh, a little bit of a transition into Diamond to Shields here too, because she's a big part of that. But you're right about the backcourt. I mean, as things stand, Tarasi's going to turn 40 next season. Uh, it might be her last year. She only, It's the final year on, his, on her contract. And Skylar Diggins-Smith is somebody who plays with pretty good energy on defense. You know, you can tell she's like a pretty high IQ player in that, in that regard, but She's smaller than most of the play players that she's guarding. She's not somebody you want to, you know, have switched on to a bigger player. Like she can get exposed in some ways. And so that's the disadvantage you're kind of operating from every night when you're building a game plan compared to some other teams in the league. So in that, with that in mind, it is kind of strange to add Charles into the mix where it's like, okay, so now our front court is something we're having to adjust for from a game plan standpoint to defend the other team in addition to our backcourt. And it puts a lot of pressure on the wing players that they have here and, and some of their depth pieces to really shore things up. Can Turner make an impact off the bench like she did as a starter? And, and can Diamond make, an, make a difference? Like it starts to be putting a lot of pressure on, on those secondary pieces because the stars are not quite the defensive stoppers that you might want. All right, quick corrections corner. I said uh, Tina Charles was the 2021 WNBA MVP, and I meant 2012 WNBA MVP. So just a quick corrections corner there. And then, Brendan, you brought up Diamond DeShield. So let's go ahead and talk about her. So the Mercury acquired her um, from sh the Chicago Sky in a sign-and-trade deal. So the Phoenix, Phoenix Mercury sent 2023 first-round pick to the Sky and guard Bria Hartley and second round picks to the fever. So I know that Diamond has had kind of ups and downs, but she's a strong acquisition and, of course, brings that championship experience from last year. So a little bit more um, into Diamond and what we think that might look like. 
Well, it's a big prove it opportunity for her. She's been in Chicago her entire career. She was an all-star in 2019 and uh, people might remember there was a big glowing profile of her in ESPN at the time. Like people definitely thought she was kind of the next big thing in the W and she is as a star, as a personality. And like in terms of the excitement that it is watching her, she is all of those things, but she has just not had very good seasons in the years since 2020 in the bubble. She left the bubble after an injury that really wasn't super clear what was going on, but she was also pretty bad before that. She shot 17% on threes and just didn't look like herself. The injury took her out. And then last season um, kind of gets her role taken by Kalia Copper, who went on to win finals MVP in a series against the Phoenix Mercury. So she kind of got, you know, cornered out, boxed out of her role with the sky. And this is an opportunity. She's only 26. Like she, she should be in the prime of her career, this is an opportunity to really take hold of maybe the starting three spot for this team. And as we just talked about, that wing defense is going to be pretty important. And, and that, that that could be on her. If she makes a real difference in that area, I think we'll look at this as a, a major signing, like you said. Yeah, the thing with her is the drop off, you know, and that's why Copper took her spot over with the Chicago Sky. You know, it's it, for whatever reason, maybe she was in her own head. Um, you know, she just wasn't producing at as, at as high a level as she she had the year prior. Um, you know, a lot of off off the court things going on. She, I think she was even in The Bachelor. Do I have that right? She was in The Bachelor uh, even for, for a second there. And it just, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for her to refocus. Um, we've seen players leave the bubble before. Uh, Brittany Griner left the bubble and she came back as good as ever last year. Um, so maybe... Diamond will take this opportunity to kind of realize like, you know, this is this is a, a turning point for her. And hopefully the, the Mercury get the best of, of what she has to offer, because, um, you know, they lost Bria Hartley in the offseason. And, and though she was also banged up last year, I was looking for a lot, a lot of things from her um, from a, a, a stability standpoint. And, and they could have used her um, in the in the playoffs a little bit more. Um, and, and so I, I think that this is going to be a good thing for the for the Mercury and, and a good thing for the for the Shields. It's going to give her an opportunity to reset, and hopefully that works out. All right, yeah. and then oh, go ahead, Gerald. Sorry, uh, and the Mercury definitely could use that because I mean, Kia Nurse tore her ACL in what October, so yes. she's yep. pretty much out for the whole season. I'm assuming. So yeah, there's she, rumor that she might be on a faster recovery period. They re-signed her, but on a one-year deal, they basically gave her the qualifying offer. Um, no one signed her to an offer sheet. They She was restricted, but it didn't end up mattering. She came back on, on that one-year uh, qualifying offer deal. So I don't know if... I mean, you do that in part for contract reasons, so you can kind of keep the rights to that player. But you also probably do that if you think that there's at least an off chance that that player might return. It, it's obviously impossible to know right now, but they do really like Kia Nurse. And I think that's the other right way that the the, the lineups, the, the team makeup will be really different. I mean, Nurse was a player who took, I think, almost eight threes per 36 minutes last season. Uh, DeShields mm. took 80 total. So that was around three per 36 minutes. So you're missing a ton of floor spacing on a team where we were just talking about with Charles and Turner and Griner who have a lot of mouths to feed in the post. You want to have shooters around them. Diggins Smith and, and Tarasi obviously are that, but you know, if, if it's to shields, things start to get pretty cramped. So I think nurse coming back would be huge. I think Sophie Cunningham returning, hopefully 
adds to that a little bit too. But um, they're they're very different players. DeShields is not the type of player that they played in that three spot most of last season. Yeah, and, and you look at her numbers; she's only a career thirty-one percent shooter from three. So that's uh, that is definitely not going to help the floor spacing like you're talking about. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Kia Nurse is back. Sophie Cunningham is back, and Shea Petty is also back. So with all of these moves, what grade would each of you give the Mercury for uh, their offseason? I go B plus. Okay. I go B plus just because outside of Tina Charles, you, you kind of have some wild cards out there. Um, and, and the Mercury are it, the, the good thing about the Mercury is that you do have DT and you do have Skylar. So you have some stability and Brittany. And so any pieces that you can add to that automatically put you in a championship contention conversation. Now, DT, I know she has her moments, but those moments are starting to become fewer and further between. Um, and you saw last year in the, in the finals specifically how, you know, there was a, it, it was a little tough for her to get her shots off um, on a consistent basis. And the physicality that Chicago brought to the table was a little much for the Mercury as a whole to handle. I think this is going to to free up um, DT a little bit more on the on the perimeter uh, along with Skyler and you know so so I would say B plus just because mainly because of the Tina Charles acquisition. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably on the same page as Saul. I would go B plus. I, I'd like the Tina Charles acquisition. I'm not a hundred percent sure how that offense is going to work out, and part of that stems from just you know the uncertainty of of the new coach that they've got, but. Um, I, I like the kind of, I don't want to say buy low option in diamond to shield, but they are getting a player who was an all-star just two years ago and could be good with an expanded role, especially at a position of need with, with Kia nurses return still up in the air. Um, but yeah, I, I am curious to see how they put all these different pieces together into a coherent two-way team. I, I'd go B plus. I will go an A, and here's why. I think it's more about what they act, what we actually maybe thought they could do versus what they ended up being able to get done. Like the thing I don't know, maybe not every listener will realize about the WNBA is they have a hard cap, so you are really, really constrained in terms of what deals you can give out, what types of trades you can make. I mean, there are so many mechanisms in the NBA that are specifically designed to allow you to go over the cap that that's not true in the W. So getting being an appealing destination with superstar players so that you know the likes of Charles and and DeShields are actually wanting to come here for a little bit less money than maybe their absolute max they might have made elsewhere. Charles donates her salary to charity so maybe she's not the perfect example of that but this is a place people want to be and it's also a I mean a huge tip of the hat to the general manager Jim Pittman who continually finds great players. I mean that he did the same thing with Skylar Diggins-Smith, when she got here, it was not a deal that anyone expected to be made. People didn't even necessarily know if Skylar would be moving. And then all of a sudden she's, uh, you know, wearing mercury colors and and helping this team and making all-star teams again. So in terms of that, like what, what the belief was about what he could get done, what they could get done as a team and what they ended up doing, I feel like you have to just appreciate the talent. We'll see about the fit, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. So A from me. All right, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break because I got to tell all the Hoops fans out there about the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
It's too good to pass up. We're talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. So new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get 150 in free bets if they win. It is that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PHNX and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 free bets if you win. That's promo code PHNX at Dracking Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and older only, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. We also want to remind everyone out there listening that children five and older are also now eligible for COVID-19 vaccines. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. Safe, free, and highly effective COVID-19 vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. Get yourself vaxxed, boosted, and ready for the upcoming WNBA season so we can all enjoy the Phoenix Mercury, and hopefully a successful championship run. All right, gentlemen, with all these moves that the Phoenix Mercury made, Brianna Turner tweeted out, quote, I'm so blessed to be able to play with Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Brittany Griner, and Tina Charles instead of against them. Big three turned big four, to which Skylar Diggins-Smith responded, F a big three, four, or five, we big 11. What are your predictions or expectations for this season? It's championship or bust. It's always <laughs> that for the Merc. Like that's uh, the Mercury and maybe uh, the, the Arizona Rattlers are the only two organizations in the state of Arizona where every single year they could win the championship. Like it's, it's just, it seems like it's been like that the entire tenure of their franchises and, and the Mercury they showed last year that they could get there uh, and it wasn't even a perfect year for them. And so when you add all these pieces, you hope that they'll be able to, to hoist the trophy at the end of the, end of the season. So it's always going to be championship or bust for, for me. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I, I feel like we're on a, we're on a revenge tour out here in Phoenix, like the sun's championship or bust Mercury championship or bust. Um, I, I feel like, the last few years of, of Arizona basketball has been on an upswing with these two teams. And it would be pretty cool to see them both climb that mountaintop in the same year, especially after they both came up just short last season. So um, I feel like with our men's team and our women's team, it's, it's championship or bust time. There is a legit possibility. And I don't know how many other States or cities can even say this um, that you could legitimately have in a calendar year four of your teams make it to um, the respective championships of their 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 uh, leagues. You know, the NBA, obviously the Suns and the Mercury did it. Uh, the women's basketball team down in Tucson with the U of A did it. The men's basketball team is a top five team right now. They might be able to do it this year. It, I don't know if there's ever been a year where Arizona – 
basketball, and I'm talking about Arizona as a whole, not just the university, um, has been in a better place. It's truly un- unbelievable. Well, you're talking it's to funny. a Sun Devil fan, so I'm not as enthused. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the reason why I brought this up, Gerald, is because I wanted to pour salt in your wound. Well, I feel it. <laughs> Gerald, you just have to just disown them. That's what I've done. I've just, you know, nobody has to know where I went to school. It's just like kind of throw it I know, just just take it out of your bio. Just let that part yeah. of your past go. <laughs> it's a degree on my wall. It's nothing else. I don't even, I'm colorblind to maroon and gold. It doesn't exist. I have no idea what anybody's talking about. But I completely agree. It's actually funny that you guys mentioned college because I was going to say the WNBA playoffs when we talk about this all the time, I think in basketball in general, this, the way that the playoffs are so different from the regular season, but anybody who started watching during the playoff run for the Mercury last year, which I'm sure is when a lot of people maybe really tuned in and and locked into the team. It is not only different because of the style and the physicality and all that stuff, but the format is insane. It's one, it will be different this year. The first couple of rounds, instead of being do or die games will be rounds of three and they've changed some of how the seating works and all that stuff. So we'll see how that all changes. But either way, even a best of three, you want Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner on your team in those moments. So it's not a surprise that this team has tended to catch fire late in the season into the postseason because, A, they have an older player who has struggled with injuries, and then, B, when they get in those playoff situations, Taurasi is you know the greatest for a reason. Like She is built for those moments, and I think her record speaks for itself in those, those winner-go-home games. Like She... It's like something like 20 wins and only maybe one or two losses, maybe zero. I don't even remember where we got with that, but that is, that's what you want. And so, yes, every move they made is do or die. Every move that they made is championship or bust, and they should feel pretty good about their odds. Not a lot of teams have the star power they have, and that's what you want, especially with how the W playoffs kind of tend to fall out. That is my number one beef with the WNBA is they tried to make the playoffs so gimmicky that and they try to you know instill this you know this do or die like oh winner take all kind of vibe and it just didn't work because i'm like you know you could be the favorite all all season long and you lose that first game and that's it like that's just it like meanwhile you know the suns could be the best team in 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 the league and have a bad game one and still win the series and and you want to see the best teams move on you don't care about like this March Madness type style that they try to implement to merge with the the NBA style. Like I, I'm so happy that they got away from the the single game elimination. Uh, best of three, I'll take it for right now. It still needs to be improved. It, it should be this the same as the men. It shouldn't be any different. So that's my two cents. Yeah, you know who? I mean, I've kind of talked to people behind the scenes on that, and the the place to for fans to get, if they love watching the WNBA playoffs, to get mad is ESPN. Um, or the fact that other stations haven't necessarily ponied up. The reason that they went to the format that they did is because they wanted every game in the playoffs to be on national TV. The only way that they could convince ESPN to do that is to condense the number of games that were being played. ESPN said, yes, we will put everything on ESPN 1 or ESPN 2, but only if this format is the case. We can't fit, you know seven by seven by seven or anything close to that, like the NBA does, which, you know, that's ESPN. It's on them. They should probably find room for that. But at the same time too, it's like, you know, when's Turner going to get some women's playoff games or regular season games on TNT has a whole bunch of sports personalities. Candace Parker works there. Like let's, let's Mm -hmm. get that going. And then we can expand the playoffs and, and get more basketball. 
But that would cut into my time watching Bones, Brendan. <laughs> You'll be fine, Gerald. <laughs> what will Netflix do if there's more basketball on TV? Raise its right. prices again? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. And Saul, um, we're going to start with you on this one. So as we've talked about, Diana Taurasi is under contract for this upcoming season. She's turning 40 in June. Saul and I currently have an open bet about her returning this season. I 100% think she will play. Saul does not, or at least did not, shortly after last season when we made this bet. Do you think Diana Taurasi will play this upcoming season? Saul, yes. we'll start with you. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then I won the bet? <laughs> I mean, you don't win the bet until you win the bet. But yeah, I think she's going to play this year. Yeah, what was I, the bet I, over? What was the stakes? I think I get to dress Saul or he gets like he get we get to pick each other's outfits basically. <laughs> oh dear. I forgot about that part of the bet. <laughs> I don't I don't think that was the bet. What else would it have been? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, because there's no other possible thing that we could have bet. It 100% <laughs> it been... was that. We'll go back and confirm, but I'm gonna, positive yeah, it was that. I'm gonna make you go back and look at the tape on this one. <laughs> You, if you're the one who loses, you should be the one who has to go back and look at the tape. Or I won't dress. I will dress however I want, and you can't stop me. So then, so then you back out of your bets. You don't hold no. up your end of the bargain. I don't even think that's it. the bet. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. I remember that being discussed as one possible scenario for the bet, but I don't remember how the conversation evolved from there. And I'm pretty sure when you guys started talking about it more, it was after we had stopped the show. So I don't know if there's going to be tape on this one i think somebody should have to wear a goat costume oh that's a good idea <laughs> i like that i do too I like that. i'm not that's mad good. at that <laughs> uh brendan do you think she's playing this i season? just don't want Lindsay to dress me like a lady of the night on, on you know Listen, like i'm just I'm not, not down gonna do that. anything that extreme i'm just gonna dress you in a fun way <laughs> I don't know what a fun way means, quote unquote. That's the point. <laughs> fun for you or fun for me? <laughs> fun for everyone, probably, but you. <laughs> I think Tarasi will play. Um, she is on a pretty big contract. <laughs> reason number one. Um, reason number two. I just like. I see what Sue Bird is doing in Seattle, and she just announced she's coming back. She's two years older than Tarasi, and is still somehow finding the competitive drive. If you had asked me a few years ago, uh, maybe like 2019, if Tarasi would would still be playing in 2022, I, I might have told you no. That was the season where she had the her the the discs in her spine were were acting up in multiple different situations. She had to have surgery. She missed most of the season, and she was awful when she did play. I I, I really thought we were getting to the end, but you look at what she did last year, and it's hard to doubt that she could at least perform offensively at a pretty high level and and be a leader for this team and she still obviously loves to compete there's nothing that will ever change that so I tend to think yes and I, I think the bigger conversation is does she sign another contract and you know we'll, we'll I guess cross the bridge when it when it comes but um, I don't think she's slowing down yeah I'd, I'd be shocked if she's not playing next season and Honestly, you know, when you start a, a kind of a new era with a new head coach who doesn't have a lot of experience, you kind of wonder if a player like Tarasi might be considering hanging it up. But I think with the moves that they made this offseason, getting Tina Charles, reloading that roster the way that they did, I think that was a direct, like, 
hey, run it back with us for at least one more year. Let's send you out with a ring the right way because we fell just short this year. Let's get over the hump next year. And then if you want to retire, like then, you know, you can take that ride into the sunset. But, you know, you, you see Tina Charles and Diamond De Shields introduced or like put up on the Jumbotron at Suns games and you see DT right next to them, like cheering as loud as anybody else, just loving it. I, I don't see any way where she's not playing this upcoming season. I agree. Um, okay. So we're just going to go into, we've, we've shared a few of these throughout the show, just um, some small gripes that we have with the league and kind of the way that they're represented and things of that sort. So I have a couple questions for you guys around that topic. First and foremost, why hasn't the WNBA expanded to this point? Do we think it is good for the league that they maybe haven't expanded to this point because there is a lot of star power on each team? Or do you think that the league should absolutely expand sooner than later? That's a tough question. It's just a, it's a tough question because obviously if you're talking about expansion, you're talking about, um, you know, owners out there that you know, a lot of these teams are associated with their their NBA counterparts, which I do believe helps in the support and the growth of of the game to a degree. Now the WNBA is at a point right now where I feel like it, it definitely stands on its own. I mean, hell the ratings. And I think this is the, the, the modification that Brendan was kind of uh, speaking to a little bit earlier. The ratings last year were through the roof for not only uh, the WNBA, but women's basketball as a whole. If you look at the women's March madness, it was insane. The growth and the viewership of those games. Um, and so I feel like, the the WNBA's motive, if they're going to expand, it, this is kind of this is going to be completely uh, hypocritical to my previous point that I was about to try and make. But I think they should expand into areas of the country where they will be embraced and they will be supported at a high level. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the big cities, so to speak. Um, it's, it's been successful in Seattle. It's been successful in LA and Phoenix, obviously, but there's other cities around the country that are desperate for a franchise. And I think if you, if you, if you want to expand and you're the WNBA, you look at those cities to try and prosper in, uh, that's why they went out to Connecticut, for example, because they had so much success, obviously with the Huskies program. Um, I think you look at that kind of a model, but again, you're, you're going to, you're going to need an owner that wants to own a, a franchise um, out there. And I, I don't know if that's part of the issue or what, but um, it's, it's a complicated matter for sure. It's, it's definitely complicated. I think to your point, Lindsay, about the, the talent, it's awesome that every playoff game, every playoff series is exciting, has superstar players that are marketable and people recognize, and there's no, you know, you know, for a while in the NBA, when it was like the Eastern Conference, when LeBron was dominating, the eighth seed was like, you know, five games under 500. That type of stuff doesn't really happen in the W in terms of, you know, the later series and everything. So it's it's cool in that way. What's not cool is how many incredibly talented players just do not have a roster spot. Because the other thing about the W is it's not just that there are only 12 teams. There are also only 12 roster spots per team, whereas the NBA now has basically 17 if you include two-way contracts. That's five extra per team even if you just did that 
in the W, it would it would help a lot. But if you if you add twelve more or or you know twelve times two more, whatever amount of teams they would add, you start to open up more opportunities for more professional players who deserve it and don't have to go to Turkey or China or wherever they're currently having to go just to make money doing what they are already great at. So it's a bloodbath in training camp in the W every single season. Recognizable names, first round picks, veteran stars just get cut every single season. And that's that's the biggest shame. But when you talk about the business side of it, I mean, the problem is what Kathy Engelbert, the new relatively new commissioner, I guess it's not too new at this point, few years, she has always said she won't expand until every team that is already in existence is on its, you know, standing on its own two feet financially. And I just don't think the league is there. You look at Dallas, a team that has really struggled, Indiana, uh, I guess we shouldn't necessarily call out a ton of them, but it's obvious who they are. And it's not always the ones that aren't connected to an NBA team, but that, as Saul said, helps. And so that's the problem. Can those teams get on firm ground to where the whole league is is financially solid and you can afford to spend the money that it takes to expand? Because yes, you get money from expanding. You also have to spend a lot. That's really where things are. But if you look at like the NWSL in, in soccer and, and those types of things, they have found ownership groups. They have found markets that seem to be thriving. Kansas City, um, obviously Los Angeles, like it doesn't always fit the same rubric. It seems like we are right on the brink of something in San Francisco for the W. That's probably the first place to look. And I think it's exciting. I hope it happens soon. I think it will. I'm shocked that San Francisco doesn't have a team. I You would think that that would be one of the first cities um, to have a team uh, because they, they embrace women's sports like no other as well. Um, they've had, and they've had tremendous success just down the street, obviously at Stanford. So uh, I'm shocked that 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 hasn't happened yet. I I look forward to that opening for sure. Yeah. And they, there was a tweet from the WMB MBPA a few weeks back. Um, I think Delta tweeted something like name a city that changed your life. And the WMBPA Twitter account responded with all the cities where they have WNBA teams. And then at the bottom, it said something like just confirming, like you guys fly to Nashville, Toronto and the Bay Area, too. Right. Um, And I think they even included a hashtag about like expanding the league. So the Bay Area would definitely make sense as far as one of the first places where they would expand. Toronto would make a ton of sense as well. Um, I, I just I don't have too much to add to what Brendan was saying. I don't know enough about the business side of it to, you know, discuss whether it'd be viable at this point in time. But I do know from a talent standpoint, it's definitely time. Like I, I think that having these rosters where one through 12 is with recognizable talent or, or players who, you know, definitely belong because they have to be very judicious with their cuts. But at the same time, like you could, you could definitely bring on two more teams at least but, just to start. But at the same time, like we we also have to we also have to talk about and they increased revenue for the players, um, you know, by a certain percentage last year, I believe Um, it's still if you're the 10th, 11th or 12th person on the roster and you're making, let's just say, I don't know, let's say 75 to $100,000. I don't even know if it's even that high. Um, are you going to take that versus going to a Turkey or, or China or Russia and making a far more lucrative contract just because it's the WNBA? That's the other discussion in this, that, that is so difficult for a lot of these players to have to try and weigh is, is being here in America playing for, you know, the, the world's most popular women's basketball league versus 
setting yourself up financially for the future. And, uh, you know, that's why players like Tarasi used to play in the WNBA and then go straight over to Russia and play over there because um, they would make far more money over there. I think, hell, Tarasi was making over a million dollars a year playing in Russia where she's not, she wasn't even making close to that here at the WNBA. But the popularity of it is what, uh, you know, drew her in. Right, for sure. And I, I think that's part of the discussion. But I do think expansion is the, you know, for the short term, yes, it makes sense to play over where you're going to get paid more money. But for the long term, you know, success and growth of the league, the expansion has to happen at some point. And purely from a talent perspective, like we're already there as far as these teams being saturated with more than enough talent to warrant at least two more teams like right now. Yeah, from a financial standpoint, just one last note. I believe the players can opt out of the CBA in 2025. And I believe it's, I think it might be after this season, maybe after next season that the TV contract can be renegotiated, opened up after ESPN's current one expires. So those are two kind of checkpoints to look for where there could be a huge influx of money into the league. And and I think that's when you'll really start to see like opportunities open up. People really take note and, and want to be owners of teams and, and, you know, players getting rewarded accordingly. Well, speaking of money, the WNBA announced that they raised $75 million of capital this year with hopes of, I believe majority of that money is going towards business model revamping. Um, I know that we are not inside the WNBA and we don't have all the answers, but from a fan kind of perspective, what do you think they should use that money to kind of start? Like what area should they be looking at and ways that they could use that money to better the league overall? Merchandise. There are so many, if you just, if you just look on Twitter during the WNBA season, there is so much frustration from fans who want to buy jerseys of their favorite players who want to buy uh, shirts, whatever hoodies and I don't know if Mercury fans realize or Suns fans who care about the Mercury a little more than they used to because of last year's run or whatever you are, realize how lucky the Valley is to have that. It's not a problem. You walk into the Suns team shop, you can buy a Skylar Diggins Smith jersey. That is not how it is at the league level or at a lot of teams' individual levels. And and the league is that's one area they really have a lot of control over. Some of these other things they don't so much, but this one it, it should be a no-brainer. And I think Kathy Engelbert said when the press conference happened around this, this cash raising that that was, you know, kind of priority, at least one a among, among a few other things. And it has to be, it's such an easy thing to do. Just give people stuff to wear. Like how many stores are there in this country? Like it should be easy to go buy something in the for the W support your favorite team. And, and I think that's probably where we will see a lot of uh, improvements. That would be great. Cause it is, I mean, not as much in the Phoenix area, but like Brendan's saying, it's disheartening how difficult it is to get a WNBA jersey or even in the NBA to find women's apparel, like, you know, uh, NBA jerseys for women. Like, it's so difficult and it shouldn't be that hard. So that would definitely be a great way to use that money. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like just increasing – this is probably part of the CBA, but increasing player salaries would obviously help in the future. Um but yeah, mer- merchandise probably stands out as the number one thing to me as well. I think uh, just from like a marketing perspective, there's so much that they could do. Like merchandise is a great option, but even um, some of the storytelling 
via social media, right? Like so many NBA teams have their own content teams that work for them. They're constantly getting their stories put out there, allowing fans to fall in love with the person and then in turn support the player. These Mercury, or not just Mercury, the WNBA players have such great stories. And so much of them are at the forefront of things in our society, but nobody knows about it, right? Because their stories aren't out there as vastly as NBA player stories are. I think if you put some money behind marketing your individual players more and telling those stories, you'd be surprised at how many people would be like, wait, hold on. I can get behind that. I want to support this. I mean, Saul mentioned it earlier in the show when we were talking about ratings, right? How big of a boost they've seen recently. It's amazing what you can do as far as rating goes when it's easy for people to find your product and they don't have to go searching through hundreds of thousands of pieces of content on their TV in order to just watch a game. Yeah, that's another area where I think Mercury fans are spoiled. Like we know who Diana Taurasi is. We know she's, you know, uh, friends with Kobe or was. We know that she speaks Spanish. We know that she went to UConn and is a champion and sat out that one season because she wanted to play overseas and made, you know, millions of dollars to do so. Like we know who that is because I guess luckily they've won enough where media pays attention here. But that's not the case everywhere. Like if you saw last year, the Asia Wilson uh, commercial related to their 25th anniversary. Some of the stuff they've been doing lately is really cool. But again, they rely on ESPN for a lot of that. They rely on partners. I agree, Lindsay, that this is such an opportunity. Grow the league office department. Grow the creative department. You hire a bunch of 25-year-olds who are going to be really awesome at social and like know what they're doing and, and know what's exciting about sports to young people like that's these players are just as exciting as any other athlete and it's you know it's time to find out all right well gentlemen thank you so much for joining me today and talking a little bit of phoenix mercury we'll be uh looking forward to their upcoming season and like you all said championship or bust hopefully they'll be hoisting that trophy at the end of it all um Thank you all for tuning in again. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star review. Brendan, thank you for joining us as our special guest. Fans, you can follow him on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can follow me at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald Borgay at Gerald Borgay. And you can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. We'll see you guys tomorrow as the second half of the NBA season begins.